Hello everyone and welcome to the latest EvertonFC.com podcast. Today we are talking European football. We enjoyed some fabulous nights, didn't we, at home and abroad in the first decade of the 21st century. And my three guests today were pivotal contributors to those European nights. I'm delighted to be joined by Lee Carsley, James McFadden and Victor Anichebe. Carsley, I can just start with you. At the start of each season, the aim for David Moyes was to qualify in a European slot, wasn't it? He loved European football and everything that went with it. Yeah, definitely. I think when, the, when you consider the history that Everton have got of playing in Europe and the European Knights at Goodison, um, I, I think it'd be fair to say that we, had, we felt a, a real responsibility that um, you know, finishing in Europe in that top six stroke seven was like the minimum that we could do. Um, and it was something that we felt... Um, like, like, like I say, a, a lot of pressure to do. Fadi, a lot of people say that European football can take it out of a team, can take it out of the squad, and that it's for the fans. But we managed to marry the two together, didn't we? We, we had some success in Europe, but the fans certainly enjoyed themselves. Yeah, they did. And it's, a, it's a reward for the fans, but I think as a player, you just want to play. It doesn't matter what competition it is. You want to play in it. And the aim is, as Carlo says, to get to Europe. And when you get there, you want to go and play against big sides, you want, you want to, to do as well as you can, you want to progress. Um, but it is a bit of a reward for the, the fans that need to go to some of the you know less fashionable grounds at times in, in the winter and they put a lot of money, you know, they spend a lot of money to, to follow the team. So it's nice, um, a nice reward for the fans to go and, and really maybe have a few days in a, a nice place and, and go and see their team playing in Europe. Victor, we'll speak about individual games as we go through the conversation, but you particularly seem to enjoy European football, the whole atmosphere and playing against different styles and against different defenders. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I was, I was young at the time, so, you know, um, I think we got, I got to play a little bit more in, in Europe and, you know, in the Premier League, the defenders are a lot more physical in Europe. I don't think they understand as much. They're not so physical, so I found it... Um, a bit more easier to play in, you know, in those games. And plus, it's just, as a young kid coming through, it's just a high just to be able to play in Europe and stuff. So, for me, every time I got the opportunity, I just thought to give it my all. Lee, you were part of the side that finished fourth in 2004-05 to qualify yeah. for the Champions League. That was some achievement, that, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was a great achievement. And I think the, um, the biggest thing about that, that team and that squad was the, the, um, the togetherness that we had. The uh, the resilience probably not as good as the um, as the as the latter squads that 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 we that David Moyes assembled, but the character and the resilience of that squad was was excellent. Maybe the quality wasn't great, but obviously with the likes of Faddy and Victor and um, Warning, the younger ones coming through, that that massively improved, especially on on the campaign. I think that we're gonna that we're gonna talk about. Faddy, when you look back at our Champions League sojourn, it was very very brief. We were so unfortunate to be drawn against Villarreal in the third qualifying round. Rangers got a team from Cyprus. Man United got some team from Hungary. Liverpool got a team from Bulgaria. And we ended up getting a team in the qualifying round that eventually reached the semi-final. It was, uh, it was unlucky to say the least. It was unlucky, but you just have to, you have to deal with that. There's no point in looking, you know, who everybody else got. Um, you just need to face it. And I think that... Over the two legs, yeah, I think Villarreal were probably a better side technically in terms of how they played the game. But 
Um, we made it difficult for them, and I th- I'm sure we're going to speak about it. The way that it, that it ended, it still doesn't sit right with me. I think the the massive inju- uh, injustice, and it was a sore one. I think that you know that, that's the beauty of playing in Europe. That's why you, you go through the the long hard season. You want to play against these these big sides, and at that time, as you say, Villarreal were a were a, a big name in European football. They, they'd been doing well in, in the Spanish league, um, and they'd been doing well in Europe with some fantastic players. And those are the sides you want to play against. It'd be nice to get them in a group stage where you can go and enjoy a, a full group and a campaign in the Champions League. But it wasn't to be and it wasn't through lack of effort from our players anyway. Lee, you were injured at the time, so you missed the two games against Villarreal. But something, yeah. as Faddy just said, something just doesn't sit right, even after all this time, does it? No, I mean, when you, when you consider how... How tough it was to get into the into the Champions League to start with, and then for it to be over so quickly, and obviously for Dunk's goal to get ruled out, you know, was um, was was obviously a, a bit of pill to swallow. But um, if, if anything, it made us more um, more determined to get back into Europe and experience um, another night like we had. You were over in Villarreal, Fadi. What was the atmosphere like in the dressing room after that game? I've never seen Alan Irvine so annoyed after that game, after Pierluigi Colina was brought out of retirement and he disallowed the goal. We still don't really know why. It must have been a very angry dressing room. Yeah, I think that there was no, there was no clear reason that any of us could see why he'd given a foul. Um, it was a, a clean header, a brilliant header from Big Dunk. Um, there was there was no foul. Um, I think later on he said it was a foul that Bent had made, that Marcus Bent had made. But I think that was just that's one of those things. He's got a chance after the game to to think about his excuse. Um, there's there's no reason for me why he could have given a foul. So after the game, it was. It, I don't remember. I know that you were saying that Alan was uh, angry. I saw Vic smiling because uh, Alan could be angry quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> After games, he just brush his hair and stare at you and not really say much at times. Um, but um, I think just as a collective, it was when you lose and you lose to the better side, um, and and you can hold your hands up and say, "Look, we lost to the better side," um, and you can take it a bit easier. It's it's not easy to lose, but when when you're beaten by the best side, you can take that. But just the way it was done, it was, there was something wrong. Um, I think Kalina retired two days later. Mm. Never refereed a game uh, again, sorry, and that just just added to the the feeling of injustice. I mean, I used to moan about every decision, whether it be in training or whatever, and, and always think that that I was right. Um, but that that night, I, I still I, I still can't figure it out. And after the game, it was just you know after such a high of the season before, we knew it was a tough draw against Villarreal, but we went and and we, we more than played our part and. Just to take them to extra time <clears throat> could have given us a chance to... to it would have set us up for the season because it would have been a big, a big scout for us to take Villarreal. Although we were a good team with good players, and they were a well-established European side with really world-class players on their side. Um, so it a big scout going forward that would have set us up for the rest of the season. But just that disappointment and the feeling of total injustice and... It, <laughs> Going back to Alan Irvin, he was usually angry at us, but it wasn't the players that was angry at this time. So we're quite glad of that. But again, I still can't figure out what happened. 
when you look at that outcome, you look at the way it ended, you think to yourself, it can't get any worse. Then we went to Bucharest, Faddy, and it got worse. Certainly did. Um, first half, it was going well. We were doing doing all right. I think this is this is good. I mean, the, the stadium was wasn't the best. The pitch was poor. Um, there were a couple of decent players, <clears throat> if I remember correctly. But we just felt so. We would go there, scored an away goal. I think it was one one at half time, and we just thought, right, see the game out, get them back at Goodison, and, and, and we'll give them you know, give them a, a real going over because we knew we were better than them. <clears throat> and I think that goes back to the point about drawing Villarreal and yeah. you're playing against a harder side and nobody's expecting you to win. Then you go away to Dino Bucharest, who weren't a big name, who we expected to beat comfortably home and away. And you can trip up against these sides. And we certainly did. That was that was a horrendous game. Um, playing some, some games where you've been well beaten, um, 7-0 at Highbury against Arsenal. The great Arsenal side was really bad, um, but nowhere near as bad as losing 5 1 to Dynamo Bucharest. Cos and Victor, we'll bring you in very shortly, but you were still a baby at this time. You were still playing your trade in the academy, so just sit patiently while we, while we get this campaign out of the way. Cos, the second leg at Goodison Park against Bucharest, I can't remember whether you were there or not watching because you were still injured. We were yeah. never really going to turn it round, and I think most people remember that game for. <laughs> Duncan Ferguson flattening one of their defenders. Yeah, I, th- I think it was, um, it was a lot like Paddy said there, you're, we're potentially expected to beat them and, it, and it, it doesn't always end up like that. And I think the hangover was, was, was that much from the, um, the first game against Villarreal that it was almost like a damp squid. You know, we, we'd, we'd, we'd finished fourth to play in the Champions League. Um, so it was, it was um, and, and that wasn't a surprise with Dunk either. Dunk, 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 that regular. <laughs> so it was that, that, that was, there was no surprise there, but no, like, like you say, it was um, it was an all-round tough campaign and over quite quickly. And, and to be fair, it's it, um, we, we ended up having a, having a not great season follow, following that. Let's push it forward then a couple of years when we did have a good European run, 2007-2008. By now, Victor, very much a part of the squad. When we played, well, first of all, when we were drawn against Metalist Kharkiv, Victor, did you share everybody else's view that who were they? Who on earth are Metalist Kharkov? I had no idea. I had no idea who they were. I wasn't even sure I was going to be in the squad. So for me, I didn't even know much about it. But, um, you know, that, that year was a good run. But, yeah, I didn't know who they were at all. <laughs> it must have been great for you, though, to actually get on the pitch in a European game. You'd just come through from the academy, through to the reserves, into the first team. And now you're playing in Europe. So dream come true. Yeah, it was amazing for me. It all happened. It happened pretty quick. Um, I wasn't in the reserves for so long, um, even though Taft tried to keep me there, but I wasn't in the reserves for so long. And then, you know, I found myself in the first team with, you know, with these guys. Um, so it happened so quick. And then I was in the first team playing in, you know, in some games. So for me, it was, it was just a quick dream come through. So I appreciate um, every moment that, you know, I got, every time I got to go on the pitch for me, it was just, it was just great for me. What was your debut? Where did you make your debut? Chelsea. FA Cup against Chelsea. And then I made my full debut against Chelsea again. That game where we lost 3-2 and Drogba scored that. Drogba the volley. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That was your fault, that was. Yeah, it was. (laughs) (laughs) Moyes probably told me that at the end of the game. (laughs) 
<laughs> he scored his first goal on the day that Duncan scored his last goal. That's right, Victor, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that was an amazing day. Um, especially for Duncan to get his last goal um, that day as well. But it, you know, it was a great day. I think what was it the last game of the season? Yeah. Yeah, it was the last game of the season. So I took that into the summer as a high. Um, and I had a great summer that year. Knowing that we were coming back to Camp Hill. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'll go back to Metalist Karki for Goodison. It was such a strange game. They had two yeah. cents on. AJ missed two penalties. Was there a yeah. feeling amongst the lads on? No, here we go again. No, I think I think we were I think we were still at um at Belfield at the time when, when we played them games because I remember being in the in the canteen when they'd done the draw and when 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 it got drawn on telly everyone was like where the hell is that? Like we'd never heard of anything. Um, and then when we seen them turn up, like we, we thought we'll absolutely smash these. If you remember their number 10, do you remember the big fella? Like we seen him warming up and he was unreal. <laughs> Couldn't get near him. <laughs> he was absolutely unreal. He ran the show. Um, oh, like that's say, yeah. that fella's not watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, I think, I can't remember. It was, it was, it was decent though. Was. I'm sure he was number 10, but he was midfielder and he looked like he'd moved the ball and he was decent. We missed a lot of good chances. We should have blown him away, to be fair. And I think they scored quite late on. Mm. Uh, a, a cross went through my legs and um, out, out wide and, and, and they scored and we ended up drawing 1-1. Um, and I remember... That was that. That might have been the game where David Moyes said to me and Phil Neville that he couldn't have he couldn't have picked a worse midfield partnership. So which 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 I said well, every time I see Phil, it, it reminds me of that. <laughs> Tells me to stay away from him. I'm so, just yeah. hearing what talk about you, Cas. I know. I said you're right back anyway, so don't worry about it. <laughs> but um, but now. I mean, for me, that, that was one of Faddy's best games over in over in uh, Metalist. I got I got I got rested for the second leg, <laughs> <laughs> which I was absolutely fuming about. Um, but no, I mean the lads the lads were outstanding that night. It was so far to go. It was an absolute, you know, it was it was it wasn't a great place to go. I remember we'd done that possession on the pitch the night before or whenever it was, and the pitch was horrendous. But um, I thought the, the lads were outstanding that, that night. 3 2, wasn't it? Was it 3 2? Yeah, 3 2. Yeah. We were. Um, in fact, I think, did you get a couple of goals, Faddy? No, I scored one. Big Vic yeah. scored. They, I mean, Faddy, Faddy was obviously really skillful in that, but they just could not, any of the European teams that we played against, they couldn't handle Victor. His power and his pace and his directness and, you know, the way, the way he'd use his body to move, move him offline and get his shots away. And, um, like him and Borne, like them, when them two came in, it was almost like they pushed each other. And obviously they had Wayne in front of them, like a couple of years, a few years. But like they had a good someone to aim to, to be better than. And they were like a breath of fresh air, them two coming into the squad. And the biggest thing for me that, that about Victor and, and uh, Borne was just their mentality. They were just up for playing for Everton, which is like, it's a massive thing. And they could handle it. Everything they threw at them, they handled that goal in Metalist, Victor, was that one of your favourite Everton goals when you look back? Because it was a crucial night. It swung one way, then the other, then back again. And eventually we came through. Um, I, th- I think I would say it was one of them, either that one or um, the one against Nuremberg. I enjoyed both of those two goals. But, you know, that was a great night, um, the one against Metalist. Because before the game as well, for me, it was just great to beat them. Because before the game, I've never, I've never been 
racially abused like this before in a game, you know, when we were walking around really? the stadium and even when you were coming on and then, you know, when Fadi scored and then, well, Jolien scored first, Fadi scored and then I scored at the end. It was just like a bittersweet moment as well. So I, I would say that was one of them, but I think the Nuremberg one for me, I, I enjoyed that more. We were 2-1 down with 18 minutes to go, Fadi, and you'd played well all night. We needed a goal from somewhere, so it must have been nice to get the all-important equaliser. Yeah, it was. I think, like like Vic was saying earlier, it was, you know, I was in and out of the team. I wasn't a regular, and I, I was just happy to get on uh, on the pitch to play in such a big game. Thank, thankfully for, for me, Carzo and Phil had had such a bad game in the first game, and then I got a chance to come in. Um, but... No, it was, it was great. You know, I've, I've obviously played international football and it's pretty similar. You come up against teams in, in varying, you know, abilities. And I think because of the disappointment of not blowing them away in the first leg, going over there, it looked like we were going out again. Another disappointment. Um, it was brilliant to pop up with a goal. I think Ozzy was screaming for a pass, but there was no way. I was letting Ozzy shoot from outside the box, although he did score a good goal. <laughs> against Larissa um, it wasn't his forte the, the long distance shooting um, but it was just great it was great to play a part he had, a, a, he had a massive boot as well didn't he Osley <laughs> yeah was, he's right he's right but it was a bit higher on it than the left <laughs> I'll take an assist in that game as well he did all the work though was that shot that you tried to have that, that blocked off a defender and into my path no, I, 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 I passed it back towards you you tried to take him on they took it off you and then I shoved them off the ball, cut it back to you and then you swiveled and scored. That's right. That's right. It was just behind me. I had to make the most of it. But... <laughs> yeah, you did. It was terrible. <laughs> that was a great night and it was one where you're on the pitch thinking, right, I don't want to go in this dressing room having been knocked out of Europe again because mm. then that would have been our fault. That would have been down to us and, and the, the blame would have been on us. Like the Villarreal game, as I said, was on the refereeing performance and the injustice, but that, that would have been down to us and down to our bad play. So it, the, the, the boys showed great character to come back in. Big Vic coming off uh, the bench to, to finish it off again and just had such an impact in these games. And he's talking about the, the defenders weren't as strong. I think that's that was maybe down to him thinking these defenders aren't as strong, not realising exactly how strong you were, <laughs> no matter who you were playing against. Yeah, I think so. Because I remember after that game in Metalist, I, I took David Moyes to do the post-match press conference. And up yeah. until that time, that was the most pleased, maybe the most relieved I've ever seen David yeah. Moyes. He, he, as much as anybody connected with the football club, was desperate to get through to the group stage, wasn't he? Yeah, definitely. And I think like, it, it all goes back to the history of the club and the managers that have, that have managed before. You know, you've got a, you've got a responsibility, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're you know, leading the club. You know, there's a there's a responsibility to to give the fans what they want and what they deserve and what the club deserves and and like you say, it was um, especially after the after the the previous European campaign, which literally did not get going. At least now we had a group stage to look forward to, and um, and the squad, you know, was it was in good form as well. We had we had a lot of I wouldn't say we had a good team. We had a really strong squad. You know, you like sort of like Paddy said, he didn't play a lot or or. or or Victor, but every time they played, there was there was it, it was impact, and that, and that kept everyone in form. You mentioned Dozzy's goal against Larissa there, Faddy. It, it was a cracker, wasn't it? It was a beautiful move and a, and a wonderful finish. It was brilliant, and and Ozzy was, you know, Carlo mentioned 
Wayne Rooney for, for guys like Victor and Vonnie to look up to, but Ozzy obviously came through the, the ranks as well. And he was starting to starting to play his best football for me. Um, he could play anywhere. The manager had total trust in him and by that point. And he was becoming such a big player um, for, for, the, for the big occasion as well. And I know that it's easy saying that, you know, Larissa, another team where we were all going, right, who's Larissa? We'll deal with them when we get them. Um, but it was a fantastic goal. Um, I think that's the hardest Aussie's ever kicked the ball as well, to be fair. <laughs> so he done well to reach the goal from where he did, but it was a brilliant goal, brilliant move. Um, and it was just typical of Aussie at that time. Carl, you and I have spoken many, many times about the, the next game, Nuremberg away. Yeah. We mentioned earlier on the conversation that the Evertonians love a European trip. Yeah, there were thousands and thousands of Evertonians in Nuremberg. Yeah. It was it was it was unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah. So uh, I think at this point, I've, I think I'd been at Everton maybe two years, and it was probably on that night that I realised like how how much it meant uh, to Evertonians to have these European experiences and uh, and and almost like what what they'd experienced in the past, and and it, like the lads will remember like the scenes at our hotel. Was like it was ridiculous. It was there was there was literally fans on top of bus stops, trams, uh, hanging off lampposts. There was thousands of fans outside of our hotel. Uh, when we went out, obviously Nuremberg playing red. Um, when we went out, all you could see in the stadium was blue, and it was like being at home. Um, and, and you know, David Moyes, like he did, you know, he, the pre-match was all about Nuremberg, and they'd never ever been beaten, and you'll do well to. <laughs> get a draw you know and no we, um, yeah, really like, these have never been beaten here lads and you know they're a good team and so we you know we were full of confidence going into it but um, no we were we were up for it we were up for it and, and like I said that night they just couldn't handle Victor like he was rolling them and straight away he was getting a lot of fouls and they were pulling his shirts and they were getting really frustrated with like his power Um and I think, I think as well, Victor May, I mean, I'm not talking for him, but I'm, I'm sure he would have took a lot of confidence from like, playing against a team like Nuremberg, who were a good team, by the way. They were a top team uh, in their league as well. And, and, and the defenders that he was up against were internationals. And he, he absolutely you know, destroyed him with his power and his pace and uh, obviously got a great goal as well. And, and, to, and to go away from home and, and get a 2-0 win was a, was a great result. If they just tell us what it's like for a young player, you're wearing the blue of Everton, you're, you're, you're away, you're in Germany, and there's so many Everton supporters in the crowd. You were a young man at the time. Did that increase the sense of responsibility that you felt on the night? I think so, and especially because I grew up in Liverpool as well. So, you know, a lot of my friends, they were all going over to the game as well. Um, and I, I, again, like um, they, the guys were saying before, I don't think I really... I knew Everton was a big club, but until like that night, I didn't realise, you know, just how big it was. You know, when we looked outside and I actually was so nervous. I was looking outside and I just saw thousands of people outside. I was like, and the, like they said, the, the team talk was like, oh, these guys haven't been beaten. So that even heightened the nerves even more. You know, so, <laughs> but we were all so fired up. I always tell people every time I meet them, like, I've never had a group of guys, you know, like the guys at Everton when I was coming through, you know, we had these guys, we had Fergie and all, David Weir. So even though we were nervous, these guys always encouraged us. So so there was always nothing to fear. There was always nothing to, to really fear, even though we were nervous on the night. But 
until that night, I didn't really understand the size of, you know, Everton. And even to this day, anywhere I go in the world, I could be in New York or wherever I am, people still talk about that that night. So that just shows, you know, the reach that Everton has. But it was an unbelievable game for me. You've played all over the world with Scotland, Faddy. Would you compare the Tartan Army with the with the Toffee Army? Yeah, certainly, you know, in the, the big games. I remember the, the, the bus journey. It was, I don't think we were too close to the stadium, if, if I'm right. And they were, they were everywhere. It was like, it was like a home game when you were travelling on the bus. Usually you'll see they're in a specific area, you know, a fan zone or whatever. They were absolutely everywhere. Um, and that was, you know, the players fed off that. Of course, you feel the nerves and the tension building up to the game. But when you're in a stadium and you know that, as, as the guy says, when, when the gaffer's drumming into you, these are a good team, you know, you need to be your best. And, and, and it was right because he knew that that was how it got the best out of us. But when you turn up to the stadium, you look for your fans and sometimes there's a small pocket somewhere and, and you want to do your best because a small band of, of travelled and they're loyal but it, there was so many of them that it just felt you know as, as Caso says it just took away the away like the Nuremberg's home advantage because we knew that the fans were there in, in, in large numbers and great voice to really uh, cheer us on and, and I was obviously one of those fans sitting on the, the bench because I never got on but they had nice heated seats with blankets and uh, nice accommodated in the subs well I was rested for that one Kazo because <laughs> one or two of the lads from that squad when we've spoken about the Nuremberg game said a little part of them wished they were out there with the fans enjoying the revelry enjoying the atmosphere you, you can understand that can't you yeah definitely and I think it's fair to say like, similar to what Victor just said then there was a perfect connection with the fans and the team it was a, it was a reflection of what what they wanted on the pitch in terms of the passion and the and the and the and the the honour of playing for the club that was reflected in the stands and on the pitch and um, that was a it was a great night you know when I obviously I've, I'm, I'm retired now and I, I look back on my career and that was one of my you know best experiences of of, of not only the game but just the atmosphere and um, and what you meant to people. I think everybody involved, including the staff, would say the same thing. Next up in the group stage, it was Zenit. They had a decent side. They had Martin Skirtle, Andrea Shavin played, Timoshuk was playing, Pog Rebniak played, who later played in the Premier League. Dick Advocat was the manager, but they didn't look on that night like a team that would go all the way through to the final, which is what they eventually did. No, they didn't. And I think that, you know, they were a team that, again, we knew they were going to be good. Um, or, or we were told they were going to be good. Um, but, but we also knew that I think this season had finished three or four weeks previous to that game. So we knew that, all right, they have good players. We have to bring the energy. We need to make sure that they feel tired. They, they're not coming here, getting an easy night and, and getting time on the ball. Because, as you said, they've, they've got good players. The, the players that, that could play are Shavin, obviously, was, was, he was still you know, busy and still trying to go on the ball, make things happen. But we had to make sure that we nullified them, and we done that. I think that they, we had to make sure that they felt tired. They felt as though the season had finished. Uh, obviously, we know that Zenit went on to, to win it in, in the end. But at that time, I, I couldn't have seen them. No matter if it was three or four weeks or however long it was since the season finished, I just I felt as though we were better than them on the night. But even you mentioned good players, I felt we had better players than them all over the pitch, um, and, and we we deserved to win the game. 
We'll go on to discuss the final game of that year's group stage in just a moment, but I just want to take a quick break to let our listeners know about our guests on next week's podcast. It's an American special, and I'll be joined by three massive names who played 373 times for the US national team between them and scored 87 goals. And that is not a bad figure, considering that one of them was a goalkeeper. I'll be joined by Tim Howard, Landon Donovan and Brian McBride for a transatlantic official EvertonFC.com podcast. Really looking forward to that one. Right, back to 2008. Victor, the final group game was against AZ Altmar on a cold, cold night, but ultimately a winning one. Yeah, it was a great win. And um, when you look back as well, they had a, they had a really good team, actually. They had, um, I think, Van Gaal was the manager. Yeah. Uh, they had Dembele, Pele. He scored that day as well. So they had a really good team. And for me, it was really good because um, I got to play with Vaughan as well. We didn't play with each other too much because of injuries. Sometimes if he's fit, I'll be injured when he's fit and vice versa. So it was really nice for both of us to play together and to set him up for the winner as well. So I really enjoyed that game, even though it was freezing. I think on the way back, we were stuck on the plane for like three hours because they had to defrost the plane. But it was, it, was, it was a really good night though. It was a cold night, Faddy, wasn't it? It was freezing, um, but it's better when you're running about. <laughs> you can go on the pitch and uh, instead of sitting on the bench. But <clears throat> again, it was, yeah, as the guy said, it was AZ hadn't been beaten at home in 30 odd games or something in, in Europe. And we were well aware of that. And I think, you know, getting into the game, obviously we'd already qualified, um, but we still wanted to win the game. We wanted to, you know, that was the incentive for us to go and end their home, re- home record. Um, and finish the group strong and then make people, you know, fear Everton going forward. And we've done that. Um, I don't think I had particularly a, a great game that night. Um, but it was, still, it was still good to go and be part of a team that, you know, finished the group strongly, won all, won all the group games against a couple of, you know, really good sides. Um, but I, it was absolutely freezing. But coming from Scotland, you know, it's, I've got my... <laughs> it was nice and nice and mild winter's day for me. The gaffer actually gave a good team talk. I think that game. He told us to go out and beat them because they've had yeah. such a good winning streak. So we that actually, right, yeah, yeah. They, they were they were unbeaten as well at home. They were, yeah. But, we, um, but I, I just remember that that team that night. We had a lot of energy in the team. I mean that that it would have helped with Paddy being on the bench, but the. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just remember we we had, we seemed to. Um, we seemed to start really well against them, um, and I remember it being freezing. I think I think Tommy Gravison started as well uh, that game. Um, so no, another great winner, and and again, like the the Everton fans travelled in their big numbers for that game as well. Yeah. Stefan Vessels was in goal that night, Cars. What was he like? Because it must have been difficult. Must be a difficult position to be a number two. You know, you're not going to play that often. But yeah, from from a media perspective, Stefan was always a really nice guy. Yeah, he was good. He was a good guy. He was quite a quiet guy. Um, yeah, I, I was. I was actually looking at the squad uh, yesterday, um, just just to try and jog my memory about a few things. And I seen I seen his name. He was. He was good. He was a good guy. Like you say, it's really difficult for a number two, um, especially if you if you're used to playing as well. And he come to come to Everton with a, a good reputation. But I remember him being a good, um, a good guy to have around. Um, and um, it was it was a good signing for us. Victor, that night in Alkmaar, a 16-year-old Jack Rodwell made his debut for Everton. Oh, wow. When a young player like that came through, you're still a young man yourself, but somebody like Jack suddenly coming onto the scene, did that take the pressure off you a little bit? Did you think, wow, thank goodness for that? 
all the spotlight will be on him now? Not really, because Molly still gave us all the pressure. <laughs> Not really, but when when Jack came through, you could see um, he was a lot different to you know me and Vaughn. We were pace, power, that kind of thing. When Jack came through, technically he was he was unbelievable. Left foot, right foot. He was so quick. He was so fit. Um, the thing with him always is where would he, where was what was his position? You know, centre back or um, holding field, but. He, he was such a good player coming through. He had everything. Um, it's why um, he moved on to Man City, you know, after. But he was, he was a great young player. So it took off a little bit of pressure, I guess, but not really. <laughs> not really at all. Not for you, because like, even when you scored a couple of goals, you'd still get hammered. <laughs> Honestly, hammered all the time. He'd bring me into his office shouting at me for no reason. Anyway, that's for another day. <laughs> didn't stop you signing for him at Sunderland though did it no <laughs> no it did not at all but no, I like him I like him I actually really like him he, he's really helped me throughout my whole career um, he's done a lot for me even though he shouts at me I think he always means well because he knows how to you know get the best out of me but you know I, I really appreciate everything he's done for me it was a, there was a confidence about the team at the time, Faddy, wasn't there? I remember before we went to Altmar, we played West Ham twice in a few days and Moisey kept everyone down in London and we beat them uh, twice. <clears throat> yeah, there was. And I think that uh, it was, you know, as Vic was saying, the manager was on most of the younger guys' case, cases constantly because it was just as demands. He, he knew you could always do better. He, he always wanted more. It was never a case of... Right, you've scored a couple of goals, you've had a couple of good games, you've, you're fine. It was, I need more, I need more, I need more. And, and that was the demands that, that he created. But what he also created, and that was through, you know, his recruitment, you know, likes of Carzo and David Weir and, and, and guys like that, the older guys, I know Big P's had, had moved on by that point. Um, but he, he had a, a good balance, a, a really good squad that managed themselves. Yep, the gaffer, he was in charge, but he he'd, players in that squad that, that wouldn't let you, you know, for me, I was a moaner, a salt, if I didn't play, I moaned constantly, I hated not playing and it, you would always have cars or <clears throat> either, you know, mostly being serious, pulling you aside and, and, and saying to you, look, come on, you're fine, just go on with it, or he'd crack a joke, make you smile, but there was loads of guys like that and we had a, a squad of players that were happy being together, being in a, a large group together and the the games going down to West Ham, the, the double header. Usually it was, oh, we need to stay away for a few days. But I think because of the, the squad we had, it was like, right, this is great. We'll make the most of it. We'll go and have dinner. We went to the the night where the chairman, you know, looked after all the all the players and all the staff, and it, we we just had a, a good squad with with a, a very low maintenance squad. You know, the, the manager, yeah, it, on match days and in training, the intensity had to be high and. If any mistakes were made, they'd pick up on them. But, you know, day to day, in terms of the, the dressing room, it looked after itself. There were so many different characters in it. Um, and that was that was the beauty of, I think, the club, because it wasn't just the players. You know, as soon as you walk in the door, you've got yourself, Dazzler, all, all the staff in it, in it, Belfield at that point. You know, they were all together. Every single member of that staff. No matter what your job was, we were all together, and that just reflected at that time. That was that was something that the manager 
uh, had built from the players, but the club just had, you know, had that character. The minute you walked in the door, you were made more than welcome, you know, by everyone. You know, members of staff, if they seen you were down, they would have a word with you. They would tell you. Or if, you know, you're a bit loud, you'd have plenty of members of staff telling you to shut up and, you know, putting you in your place. And that's just, that's just Everton as a club. Um, and it's a fantastic place. But going back to my, my, my original point, with a squad of players that enjoyed being together. A squad, you know, not just the players, the whole squad that travelled, all the staff, we enjoyed being together. Um, and that helped, you know, certainly in that season for us. Got to remember as well, Carlos, we got to the semi-final of the League Cup that season as well. And when you look at the 2007-2008 campaign, you played just shy of 50 games. It was a, it was a long season. <clears throat> yeah, it was, Eric, but... Um... But it didn't feel like it because when you when you're winning and when you're playing well and like 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 Paddy just mentioned there, um, we had a we, we had a lot of fun. Like it was it was enjoyable, um, and it's really it is really enjoyable playing for Everton when things are going well. On the opposite to that, the fans are that demanding, as you know, that when it's not going well, they let you know about it. But that was definitely a, a great season for us, like you say, um, the two, the two games in in um, in London, then going to. Um, Holland, and then and then coming back and having the Chelsea semi-final, the two legs. Um, yeah, it was a big. It was a big. Um, physically, it was it was a big toll on us. But we were um, we were just in that in that mode of playing games and, and doing well. And uh, like I say, there was a lot because we had such a strong strong squad that when when the, the the team was changed, it didn't really affect the the results or, or the team that much because the standard was so high. I think that's what helped with the. You know the European games and or, or the, the the League Cup where we all joke and say, "Oh, the French players." We it was great for us. We managed to get a game, but we were playing competitive games. It didn't matter if it was the, the, the semi final against Chelsea, if it was the, the you know the double header against West Ham. We knew I had players that were hungry, that were fit, and that were ready to contribute because it had been such a, a squad effort that season. The first game in the knockout phase was against uh, SK Bran and I'm going to speak to you about this Victor because your mate played a central part in both games we'll speak about Yakubu's hat-trick in the second leg shortly but he was dropped for the first game because he'd come back from the Africa Cup of Nations late so there is Yakubu summed up in two games isn't it? <laughs> no shock there at all <laughs> absolutely no shock there but um, um, Yak was great for me um, I call him like my big brother. Yak was great. Um, I've, I've probably never seen a finisher like him until I went to Sunderland, and um, I, I I saw Jermaine Defoe. His finishing was really good. He didn't like to run too much, you know, in preseason or any time really. I thought I was bad. He was he was twenty times worse than me. But um, but he was a great guy. He was always happy. <laughs> he works out more now than when he played. Yeah, he actually does all this jogging. All his jogging and boxing, he does He does more now. But the difference is, he'll score a hat trick for you on the weekend, so you let him off. Well, no, he he was a great guy. He was a really, really good guy. I still speak to him now. His best man at his wedding. Um, I I really connected with him, and you know, he actually taught me more about because I didn't grow up in Nigeria, so he taught me a lot about the culture there. Um, you know, for when I eventually decided to play for Nigeria, they made that transition for me easy. Him and Jojo. So for, he was a, he was a really great guy, even Stephen as well. But Yak, you know, I'm really I'm still really close to him, and he was a great player as well. People um 
especially in Nigeria, they underestimate just how good he was, the goals he scored. You know, he scored nearly 100 goals in the Premier League, so he was a top, top player. And um, <clears throat> I really appreciate him. Timekeeping wasn't his best attribute, though, Victor, was it? No, he was... Either him, Manuel Fernandez, or Andy Van der Meer, probably the worst ones I've come across, you know, in terms <laughs> of timekeeping. <laughs> in terms of timekeeping, but Yak will be late, and then he'll come in and start smiling as if nothing's happened. And we're like, we've been waiting for you for an hour, but that's Yak. Yak's a funny guy, man. He scored a hat trick in the second game against Brandley, and Yak just had this ability to pass the ball into the net, didn't he? Yeah, definitely. And I, th- I think I think it'd be fair to say that it probably took him a. a you know, a few months to, to get his red round. The fact that he couldn't get away with what he'd maybe got away with at Portsmouth at Everton. But we, we knew how important he was to us. Like, like Vic said, he's a good player. Great lad as well. Him, him and Joseph Yobo, they were always fun guys. Like, always so positive. And he's, like, like you say, his finishing was an absolute joke. And um, you know, like, like, I, I think, like I say, it's, it, it took him a bit of time to get used to playing for Everton and what it meant. And, um, but he turned out to be a, a, a great signing for us, and, and, and that night he was unplayable. You know, he scored he scored some great goals, um, like two 0 up from the first leg. Um, and David Moyes, you'd think he'd rest everyone, but he went as strong as he could again um, because he knew what it meant to the fans. To a European night of Goodison, he's not a, he's not a night to be resting players or or taking the foot off the gas. And we absolutely smashed them six um, one. So it was. Um, a good night for Yak and, and the team in general. Fadi, you'd, you'd left Everton by now and gone to Birmingham City. What was the thought process behind that? Um, it was just to go and play regular. Um, I'd been at the club for, for four and a half years and I think it was, it was just, I wouldn't say it was the right time because I probably should have held on a bit longer. Um, but I, get, I was getting frustrated at not playing. You know, I was doing well for Scotland. Um, every time I went away, I, I seemed to do well. And when I'd come back, you know, the manager in his typical fashion, you know, would would have something to say to me about even my performances for Scotland. You know, if I'd come back and done well, he'd tell me what I didn't do so well. Um, and, and at that point, I didn't really get it. I didn't understand, you know, why he had to be so hard on me. Um, in hindsight, I should have held on. I should have stayed a bit longer um, because I, I was starting to mature and starting to, you know, learn the game the, mate, the way the manager wanted me to play it. Um, it was just a bit of frustration that I wasn't playing regular and I got the chance to go and work with Alec McLeish, who... I'd done so well for at Scotland and it was a bit like uh, the Yak situation in reverse, you know, it wasn't that I could go and do what I wanted with Art McLeish, but he had a different way of dealing with me that, that I felt I responded better to. Um, and, you know, it just had, I just had to, to move for, for my, you know, it was quite hard, you know, training every week, training every day and doing well and coming to a weekend and, and not playing, I'm playing 10, 20 minutes here and the manager, you know, telling you you have to build the trust up again, you know, it was like you play a bad game, you go back to the start, play a few good games, you play a bad game, you go back to the start and you need to build that up and it was just a bit, you know, I felt at that time that it was time to move on. In hindsight, I should have stayed, um, I should have stuck it out because I feel that, as I said, I was starting to get into a, a a way of playing the way the manager wanted me to play. It's funny you say that as well, because um, 
I always speak to Vaughn about the same, um, the same kind of thing, and he left pretty abruptly like that. He was the same. If he didn't play, he was a young kid as well. Same like me, and we'll always talk. We lived next door to each other. We lived together. And if he doesn't play, he'll come in to, on Monday to the manager and create going crazy. I need, I need to play. I need to play. And I'm like, you're still young. And I think I always say to him as well, even me leaving when I left as well, probably should have tried Martinez for a season. Um, but like the way Vaughn left, I, I always say to him, like, I don't think at that point he should have left, but he was always frustrated, always frustrated, but he was still young at that time. But then I think he went on to like Norwich and then he moved around a couple of times. I felt like he should have stayed, stuck it out because even though Moyes was tough and, you know, he, Faddy knows like as the, as the young ones, he was really, really tough on us. But, I think he meant well. And he always used to say the moment like I stop shouting at you is, you know, when I don't actually care. Carl, I just want to go back. We've got one more tie to talk about Fiorentina. Yeah. Two totally contrasting <laughs> games. The first game over in Italy, we lost 2-0. It was 0-0 yeah. with 20 minutes to go. But I think, if I recall, 2-0 flattered us a wee bit, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, what, what, what I remember most about Fiorentina, I'm sure the lads will remember this as well. When you looked out the window of our hotel, there was like a square. Remember that big square? And it was just full yeah. of thousands of fans. And there was a, there was a hotel opposite. And, and, and I remember, I, remember I, I had to get a couple of tickets for Andy Oldham. Yeah. So I said to him, I said to him, Taff, I've left your tickets in the hotel opposite because I knew there was thousands of fans. It was going to take him a good hour to get through a ball. <laughs> and I could see, I could see the window from my, from my room. So I was, I was like, I, I could see him on the phone. He was like, you know, he's like, where are they, lad? I was like, yeah, just on the reception, just over there. So I could see him go through. <laughs> and I could see him getting like sprayed with beer and like, it was, there, was, there was all sorts of, it was boiling out. And he was like, fair breather. And then I was like, so when he gets to the reception, I had to say to him, oh, sorry, I meant, I meant, I meant the reception that we're staying in. Sorry, so I, I, I had to let him down lightly with that one because he was an aggressive guy, as you know. But um, now the fans, obviously, as well at the ground were penned in, if you remember. There was them big old-fashioned fences, 2-0 um, down. I remember the walk from the changing room to the pitch was a massive, really long walk. Um, I remember their, their players being really arrogant, especially when they were 2 0 up. The player that I was playing against, uh, I think he went, he went on to move to into, uh, AC Milan. I forget his name, but he was a good player. Like, to be fair. Who was it? Antolivo. That was him, yeah. He was, he was decent, uh, but he, was like giving, he kept giving it like 2 0, 2 0. I was like, okay. Um, yeah, so that was, I, I just remember the, the, the fans again travelled in big numbers. Uh, real hostile place, being stuck behind the fence, um, and being on the—I remember being on the plane on the way back. I went to the front of the plane uh, to, to the toilet, and David Moyes was sitting there, like not not too happy. And he said, "Sit down." So I, I sat next to him. I said, "What do you think?" I said, "We'll beat them. We'll beat them at our place because we'd had a couple of chances." Um, and after that, and I just I always question like their mentality because. Once we started getting off, we don't think we played too well first half, but second half, we sort of went from a bit and you could see it put them on their back foot. And I was like, I was confident that if we started well at Goodison, especially with the fans, we'd, we'd have a chance. And, and obviously, it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it turned out to be the case. Is the second leg amongst the best atmosphere you've ever played in, Kaz? Um, yeah, 100%. 100%. When you, when you think about it, and I've, I've been looking on, I've been looking on, um, 
on, online about, you know, obviously we've all got a lot of time at the minute. So, and I was looking at when Everton played Bayern Munich because they were always the nights that, that the fans and uh, Jimmy Martin and Tony Sage would refer to. So, like, you know, beating Bayern Munich 3-1 in front of 49,000, 50,000 fans at Goodison, they were the kind of nights that we were aspiring to, aspiring to get to. And we never reached that level, nowhere near. But that was as close as we would have got in our minds to, to going through what the likes of Kevin Blackcliffe um, Sharpie, all the all the great Everton Everton players that, that played uh, in them nights. That was as close as we got to it, and it was unreal. It was fantastic. Like, like I said, the connection between the the players and the fans was totally on the same level that night. They they were they were one hundred percent with us. When the game went to penalties, you were both on the pitch. Victor, you'd come off the bench for Stephen Pienaar during extra time. Mm-hmm. Carlos, you were on the pitch as well. Yeah. Did you have a number? Were you going to yeah. take the sixth, seventh, or eighth penalty? Thirteenth. I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was being there from parcels. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was. I was after Jags. I was. I was after Jags, which was obviously a bad move. I should have gone before Jags. I should have let, let him have the fifth, and I should have gone fourth. But I wanted to. I wanted to try and hit the winning one. Of course, he did. <laughs> Worse than Tim. Bad, bad move. Bad move. <laughs> bad, bad move. Um, but, yeah. Didn't you fancy one, Vic? Um, definitely not. <laughs> definitely. He was in his car. training. You know, when you used to, you have the cup game, you'd be like, right, the gaffer used to get you up the halfway line and go, right, <laughs> through the walk. And Vic's like, nah, nah, it's all right. I don't want it. I'm good. I'm going inside. <laughs> No, I, w- I definitely did not want to take one. No chance. I would have got the whole blame for the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> if, even if we won. Keep on nearly saved it. He used to hit it down that side. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> no, but it was a great atmosphere that game, though. I was quite annoyed, actually. I didn't get on sooner. I was, I was quite annoyed at the end of the game as well. Yeah, it was a big, what the dressing room was like, Cos? Yeah, it was. It was obviously um, we, we were all um, we were all gutted for for Jags, obviously missing the penalty. But it was it was the end of a real good campaign, and I, I, I really felt like we were going to win it. I really did. I think we, um, we we were just in that position where it was going really well in the league. We were balancing, playing a lot of games, but, but we're keeping up that quality where we struggled a little bit when we finished fourth because we didn't have the size of the squad, but. Um, you know, I just I just remembered as well, like like personally, that would that had been my last season at Everton, and that, uh, you know, I'd be gutted that I, I would never have that experience again. I think looking as well, cars that Rangers obviously get to the final, Zenit winning it, Fiorentina got the semis. I think Rangers put the aim out. Yeah, you get to the end of that campaign, you think we probably should have won that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and obviously David was at um, he was at Rangers as, as well at the yeah. time, wasn't he? So you know, there was every chance that you know. Obviously, speaking to Dave as well, that we were going to get Rangers in the final. That was that. That would ideally, um, you know, would have been the, a great scenario for both of us. Just to wrap up, guys, it's been a fantastic conversation, and I, I'm sure people listening will take so much from the fact that all three of you, and I'll start with you, Faddy, look back on your time at Everton, particularly this period, with so much genuine affection. Yeah, listen, I, I signed for Everton as a young, a young guy, twenty. Um, and, and all I knew was obviously Scottish football, Motherwell coming from a small club in Scotland to 
a club that was much bigger than I ever you know, realised before I got there. And it continued to grow and grow. As I said, I have nothing but fond memories. Of course, there were times, and leading to one of the reasons why I left, that, that weren't so good. But I never think about them. I just think about the good times. My, my, my two boys, are they're Everton fans. That, that's their team. You know, they're, they're Everton, Everton daft. I try and get down as much as I can. But it, it's just a, a brilliant club. And for, for you know, everything about it, I mentioned that all the staff that, that work there, the fans, you know, it, it was... It helped me grow up um, and really, you know, turned me into a, a man. Being at that club, the way the manager was, he was hard. He was a hard, a hard guy to please, um, but it was not, you know, it was for a reason. It was to help you. Um, but the club as a whole, an amazing club. Um, I always think about my time at Everton, and that's the reason I went back. You know, I felt as though I left too too early. And when I went back, I was never the same player. You know, the injury that I'd had, I, I got at Birmingham, it really had an effect on me. But I just couldn't say no to coming back. Um, I love the club. I love, you know, I love the fact that it's starting to look as if we can, it can get better again. You know, we've got obviously good batting, a good manager, some good young players coming through. Um, and, and hopefully whenever all this, you know, all this, blows over and, and the football can get back. Hopefully it can be back to those exciting, talking about European runs and, and Everton being exciting again um, because it's left a, a massive impression on me. Victor, you grew up at Everton, came through the ranks, so it's been a massive part of your life. Yeah, it has. Um, I think everyone knows I, I loved my time at Everton. I think um, the day that I left, I was actually really sad that day and the, and the next day um, I was like, what did I even do? Why did I even leave this place? Um, and I was, uh, I think the shock as well, because you don't, again, you don't realize how big it is until you go to another club. So I left and went to West Brom and the, the stature of clubs, even though West Brom only finished one place down from Everton, you know, the previous season, the, the stature is so different. You know, Everton fans, you go to an away game and it's like you're at home. You know, they have thousands. They fill up the end, pre-season games. Again, the same thing. You know, there's a lot of pressure. And I used to joke to some of the guys and they used to be like, oh my God, there's so much pressure playing at home at their place. I was like, come to Goodison Park and you'll see what pressure is in a normal game. That's pressure. This isn't pressure here. Um, but, you know, I loved every, every part of, you know, being at Everton. You know, I had some difficult times as well. Um, like the times where I didn't sign my contract and stuff and then they were on me like crazy but that helped me grow as well it really did help me grow as a person um, but I, I think I was very fortunate as well to come through at the time that I came through I came through when you know I had these guys I everywhere I go I talk to Tim Howard about it as well everywhere every single place I go I'm always saying when I came through I had a great older group of guys that helped you come through I think now the game's it's changed a little bit more. I've visited like clubs and I've seen, and it, it has changed. Um, so for me, Everton, it's, it's a really special club. And I just, I was with you recently as well, Darren, and I, I always come back, you know, just to see what's going on because, you know, Everton's really, really growing now. And for me, I just wish that Everton again can go back to, you know, those nights, you know, and even grow further than that and just, you know, really, really become a huge club and, you know, in, in the league. Alan Ball was right, wasn't he, Cars? Once Everton touches you, nothing's ever the same again. 
hundred percent. I think I think that I think both the lads have summed it up perfectly. And and, and the fact that we can come on this podcast now and it's it's almost like going back in time, and it I just feel like we're teammates again, and we're just we're just chatting away. Um, and that's that's the bond that we had. Um, you know, similar to Faddy, well, I was I was gutted when Faddy left. You know, and he knows this. He he, he left far too early. Uh, and Vic, I, I think sometimes when you're a homegrown player coming through, you don't feel as appreciated as the players that have signed. And there's always that, and I'm, I'm sure these two all, all agree, that, that first day when you go to a new club, you're almost like, oh, this is nowhere near what I've just left. You know, um, Every day. And, 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 yeah, exactly. exactly. You just hope, Darren, that the, the, the lads that are currently playing for Everton appreciate every minute of it. Because it, I guarantee it's been the best club that they ever played for and they ever represent. And they've got such a responsibility to make the most of the time that they've got there. They've got, we've got some great players. We're very lucky. We've got a great manager. Uh, like, like, like I said, great backing. Potentially new stadium. Unbelievable <clears throat> training ground. You know, they've got, they've got, they've got to embrace that and, um, and really push the club on. Lee Carsley, Victor Nietzsche, B. James McFadden. Thank you so much indeed. And if you've Pleasure. enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe or follow via your podcast platform and leave us a review if you like. You can even suggest some guests for future podcasts. If you subscribe or follow, you'll get all the new episodes direct to your device as soon as they are published. Guys, hope you've enjoyed it. Lovely to see you again. Take care of yourselves. See you later. Cheers, lads. All the best. Cheers.